Welcome, and thanks for joining us for the weekly podcast of Center Church San Diego. We are so happy to connect with you online today. You matter to God. You really do. Whatever your past, no matter what your circumstance right now, God loves you. And you belong right here. Hope starts now as we invite Christ to take his rightful place at the center of our lives. So let's jump in. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. As uh, Josh said, my name is Scott. Uh, Man, it's a pleasure to be here with you today for uh, my wife and two of our five kids are here. For my wife and I, it's kind of in some ways like coming home. We got uh, the pleasure to live in San Diego for about a year and a half. And for almost a year, we were actually uh, right over in the East Village. And so we're driving around this morning going, oh, look, there was our building. Oh, look, look, look. So, man, it is a pleasure for us to be back here with you this morning. So, um, speaking of my kids, so one of my greatest memories, you know, how many parents do we have in here this morning? One of my greatest memories of my kids when they were young centered around the swimming pool. And, and I have this vivid memory of, of my children. You know, you get that thing of like, it's the rub-on sunscreen. How many of you remember rub-on sunscreen? How many of you still use rub-on sunscreen? Okay, you probably also have a phone with a long toilet cord in your kitchen too, right? Like spray-on sunscreen is one of the best inventions ever, man. But the rub-on sunscreen and the floaties on the arms that you couldn't blow up too much or you couldn't actually get it over their arm, but too little, and then they'd drown. And that's not what you want to do. But, you know, this picture of them and then standing kind of on the, on the edge of the pool because I was trying to get them as a father, like, okay, it's time to learn to swim. It's time to start getting in the water and, and overcoming. They'd stand right on the edge of the pool and they'd be like, daddy, daddy. And I'm standing in the water, right, close enough to where they couldn't actually grab my hand because that would defeat the whole point of jumping in. But, you know, not too far where if they jumped in, they'd sink to the bottom. And they're like, Daddy, Daddy, get closer, closer, closer. And you're like, come on, you can do it. You can. And it's just this memory that lived inside of me. But the thing that always amazed me as a father was that moment of hesitation for them at the edge of the pool. Like, ah. And I remember thinking as a dad, like, what do you think I'm going to let happen? You sink to the bottom? Like, I'm your dad. Just jump. But, you know, you don't actually say that because you want to have patience as a parent. And I get frustrated with kids and small, all that kind of stuff. But they, and then there was that moment, and, and I would always wonder, like, what was the cause of the fear? They hadn't had some bad experience with the water. There was no history there. But there was a fear. There was a hesitation inside of them to actually jump into the arms of their father. Now, in life, there's four basic types of, of fear that we come to. There's four types of fear that, that we all experience in some different way, because Fear is it's a part of life. Fear is a natural part of life. And especially around the new year, there can be that sense of fear about, well, man, what does this new year hold for me? What is it? What's in store? What's ahead of me? What's going to go on? And sometimes it's a, it's a fear around professional changes or, or personal changes. Or maybe sometimes it's, it's maybe a personal health kind of change. I know there's going to be possibly some struggles. The doctor hasn't gotten back to me yet about those tests. Maybe it's emotional changes or spiritual changes that are happening. Maybe it's political change ahead of us that we get worried about this year. Pastoral change. I don't know, man, I'm just throwing that one out there, you know. But we get this hesitation and this fear towards the future. And those fears fall into one of four typical categories. These are the four typical categories of fear. And the first one is this. The first is a warning fear. And the warning fear is a natural fear. The warning fear is like, hey, if I continue to go down this road, something bad's going to happen. 
If I continue to abuse my body this way, if I continue in, in this abusive relationship, if I continue in this, whatever this action might be, whatever this situation is, I, I'm going to come out the worst for this. And so it's kind of a protective fear. It serves as a valuable protector for us. It's a warning fear. The second typical kind of fear is an ego fear. And this one's a little harder to deal with. It's a little harder sometimes to identify with. But a fear that it, it wants to protect our ego. Man, if I don't get this project in on time, or if I don't get the results the company's wanting from me, or if, if I don't be the person my spouse is thinking I'm supposed to be, then what are they going to think of me? And that's an ego fear. That's more about who we see ourselves to be, who we believe ourselves to be. It's an ego fear. The third is a trauma fear. And this is the kind of fear that can change us to the core of who we are because of an experience we went through, of something that was done to us or something that we went through, a circumstance or a scenario. And it's a trauma fear, and it's a fear that you can look at another situation that may mirror it somewhat, and immediately there's a fear that pops up, like, oh, it's going to be the same kind of thing. And these are hard fears to recover from because it was a, a traumatic, it was a trauma in our life that we went through. Now, the fourth kind of fear is a little different from those in that it's not necessarily a dangerous fear. It's not necessarily a, a, a it can be a hindrance fear, but not something that, you know, it operates a little different from the rest. And the, the fourth kind of fear is an invitational fear. And the invitational fear is a fear that actually can be a motivator. It's actually an invitation rather than a warning. And the invitational fear is like, man, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but if I don't do this, I'm going to be in the same place if I don't step into this. And so the invitational fear is kind of this one that says, hey, you're on the right track. Don't stop now. Keep moving forward, even though there's hesitation, even though there's like uncertainty, even though there's a fear involved with it. And so these four different kinds of fears, they're kind of the basic, I'm sure there's more, but you know, whoever the people are who boil these things down, they've boiled it down into these basic four types of fear. Now, there's a story, and maybe most of you are familiar, some of you, you know, maybe didn't grow up in the church, you haven't been around the church for a while, maybe you're not familiar with Bible stories. There's a story about a guy named Peter. And Peter was, Peter was like an everyday kind of guy, okay? Peter was, he was a fisherman when he met Jesus, so maybe kind of a, I don't know, like a man's man, he probably smelled like fish, I don't know, go figure that. But when you think of Peter, think like shark week, think like deadliest catch, Right? He was a fisherman out there. He's probably nothing like that, but you know, maybe suddenly like, he's out there on the water. Peter's personality was he was very enthusiastic, very strong-willed, very kind of brash, kind of impulsive. And so he's kind of a guy that some of us can relate with and go, well, I'm kind of like Peter then, I guess. That describes my personality. And he had this encounter with Jesus one day where he'd been out fishing all night and didn't catch anything, and Jesus shows up and he starts teaching to the crowds, and he ends up in Peter's boat. And as he's talking to everybody, he goes, hey, by the way, dude, throw your nets down again. And, and Peter's like, listen, I'm the fisherman. I know how this works. Been out here all night, didn't catch anything, but all right, we'll do it. And he throws his net in and it gets this huge catch. And we're told at that encounter then, he was so changed by it, so captivated by Christ, that he actually left his business and started following Christ. And so the story that we're going to look at today about Peter, Peter has this this encounter or this experience where he's in a boat once again, and he actually steps out of the boat into the middle of a storm. Now, you think, well, he's a fisherman. He, he knows what he's doing, right? Like, he's got no problem. I've never jumped out of a boat into the middle of a storm. It doesn't strike me as the wisest thing to do, necessarily. I want to say in the boat. 
But that's the story of, of Peter we're going to look at today. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 14. We're going to have some of the scriptures up here. Or you, if you've got a Bible, you can look them up in the Bible or a Bible app, whatever you'd like to do. But they will be up here also. And so here's the scenario now of where we're at. Jesus has, has been healing people. He's just fed 5,000 people, which is probably more and all this kind of stuff. And, and he tells the disciples, he looks at these 12 guys who walked with him. Peter's one of those. And he, and he tells them, hey, listen. We're done here. I'm going to wrap up with all the people. You guys hop in the boat, go across the sea, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. And so the disciples do what Jesus says. They're like, all right, dude, we're on it. And so they get in the boat, and they start rowing, row, uh, rowing out. And here's where we're going to pick up with them. In uh, Matthew 14, verse 22, it says, Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he, Jesus, went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost! And they cried out in fear. So, Kind of painting the picture for you here. They get in the boat, they start roaring, rowing. I don't know why I can't say rowing this morning, but roaring, rowing. And they start rowing, and now they're, we're given this indication it's the fourth watch of the night. So it's probably between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now, the, the point being, they've been out there rowing for a while at this point. And when we say the Sea of Galilee, picture it's a lake. It's not a sea. It's not like they got in the Pacific and they're like headed to Japan. Here we go. You know, and maybe at the most eight miles wide. So it's not a huge, huge sea. It's more like a, but they're out there. And they, at this point, they've been ro- rowing probably for eight or nine hours. Not typical. In fact, the book of Mark, another book of the New Testament, which has the same story and tells it a little bit different, but it says that um, Jesus, when he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. It gives us this idea of, man, there's waves, and the boat's probably rocking, and they're doing this going, man, this is taking us a lot longer than we thought. And they're probably, at this point, eight or nine hours into this eight-mile journey, exhausted from rowing. And this is not how we pictured this was going to go. It wasn't like this when we set out. Are we going to make it to the other side? This is where the fear starts coming in. This is where the, the exhaustion, the, the anxiety can start coming in. Because like this is not the scenario we pictured when Jesus said, hey, just meet us on the other side. And this is where, when it comes to fear, we can be at our most vulnerable. Because of all those factors I just said. We're afraid, we're anxious, we're exhausted. This is the scenario there when we don't necessarily make our best decisions. We're not thinking our clearest. We're just looking for the easiest way out. And I love the description of what it says about Jesus, the casualness. Just, Jesus just comes cruising up, just walking on the water. Yo, what's up, dudes? And they're not expecting it. They're not expecting him. And their response is terror. Their response is fear. And here's the first point I want us, I want us to see in this story today. That fear is a constant companion. Fear is always lurking in the background. Now, some of us deal with it more than others. Some of us, you know, fear is like always right at the forefront of what we do. And other people are like, well, I don't remember the last time I was afraid. You deal with fears in a whole other way maybe you're not aware of. But fear is always a constant companion. Lurking in the background, ready to, to, to strike at will when it wants. Because fear is a natural response to danger. 
Fear is just a natural response to danger. And it's a normal part of brain function. In fact, I would say if you absolutely feel no fear, there's probably a deeper issue that counseling might help. I don't know, I'm just saying that there. You know, could be, you know, some psychosis going on, maybe. I don't know. But because it's how we protect ourselves from situations we find ourselves in. The downside of that is sometimes we can become afraid of situations that are far from life-threatening that are far from dangerous and actually hold us back from what could move us forward. And so the disciples here, they're rowing. They're not expecting Jesus to show up. And so when he does come walking on the water to them, they're like, oh man, because they're not thinking they're clearest in the midst of their fear. And so Jesus, we're told in verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, hey, take heart. It's me. It is I, it says. Do not be afraid. Guys, what's, what's going on? Another version of this says, take courage, take heart. He literally, this phrase where he says, hey, it is I, it's the same phrase in essence. Remember the story of Moses, where Moses is out in the desert and, you know, he's run from Egypt and, you know, he killed the Egyptian and that whole story. And then he walks up on this bush that's burning, only the bush isn't getting consumed by it. And suddenly a voice starts coming up. Do you ever wonder how you would respond to some of these Bible stories if it was actually you? Like if you walked out of here today and there's this bush burning on the side of the street and it's like, yo, Scott, come here. Like, I'm no more coffee today. Like, I'm over. But the bush is burning, and it's God speaking to Moses, and they have this whole conversation. The point being, eventually, Moses says, who should I tell them is sending me back? And God says, tell them I am has sent you. Now, the disciples, whether they're thinking of it or not at this point, they're familiar with the story. And Jesus uses the same phrase. He says, hey, it's me. I am is here with you. It's me, take courage. And so Peter, being the impulsive, the brash one, the like just the responder, the guy who's going to take charge. I love Peter's response, verse 28. Peter answers and says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. Now, I don't know if Peter's thinking like, I, let, let's see, like he's not really going to say walk on the water because who can walk on the water, right? I don't even believe it's you. I think you're a ghost. But he, he literally throws out this test. This challenge to Jesus. Hey, if it's really you, tell me to walk on the water. In essence, it's, hey, prove it. Now, maybe you're different than me. My assumption is probably not. But maybe you're different than me. And I had to ask myself reading this, man, how many times have I done that to Christ? How many times have I been like, Lord, if this is really you, prove it. Prove it to me. Prove to me that you're the one asking me to do this. Prove to me that you're the one really in this situation. And I just think, man, the arrogance of myself sometimes. The arrogance of when we kind of take that position of, hey, God, I want you to prove to me. But what I love about Jesus' response to this is Jesus doesn't look at him like, excuse me? Do you know who you're talking to right now? I love Jesus' response to him. And it kind of leads us to our second point here. The second point is this. Faith is a continuous choice. If fear is a constant companion, faith is a continuous choice. Because when Peter says to Jesus, hey, Jesus, if this is really you, prove it. Jesus' response to him, verse 29, is, Peter, come. He simply says, come. Now, here's the moment for Peter of the kid at the edge of the pool. My kid's at the edge of the pool with me going, come on, jump, jump, jump. Because here's the moment for Peter where he's got to decide, oh, 
Like, you're serious? Like, I was kind of kidding halfway. Like, I was halfway serious, not really. But now he gets the invitation to come out. And this is the moment Peter has to decide, am I really going to step out of this boat? Because it's not, you know, like the calm. Like, remember, there's winds and there's waves and there's all this stuff going on. And I always wonder, what are the other disciples thinking at this point? Like, oh, now you put yourself in it, Peter. Let's see what happens now, you know. But Peter gets the invitation and Peter has to decide because faith is a continuous choice. Now, Peter, we're told in verse 29, Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and came to Jesus. End of the story. I mean, wouldn't that be great? Talk about a great, it'd be like, boom, walked on the water. What did you guys do? You stayed in the boat. You know, you're like, but, but that's not the end of the story. We know that's not the end of the story. Maybe some of you don't know that. But that's not the end of the story. But he gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. And then he starts heading to Jesus. But verse 30, when he saw the wind, I'm not sure how that happens exactly. You see the wind. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. So Peter gets out of the boat and he starts walking. And first thought has to be like, Jesus. Second thought has to be, oh my gosh, I'm walking on the water. Third thought begins to be, wait, water, water, waves, ocean. And what happens? He starts sinking. You know, we sang oceans earlier. Beautiful song, beautiful song, by the way. And it's so great when you sing, you know, when oceans, when waters rise, my soul, and you call me out, and all this kind And it's so great to see it. And we sing that because we, that's the kind of faith, like, yes, Lord, we have it. Peter's living it right here. And some of you have lived it, but Peter's living it right here. When he walks out, he starts looking around, and he's like, oh, man, here's what I call this. Hopefully this doesn't offend anybody. I call this the oh, crap moment. The oh crap moment is like, oh man, oh man. And we all have felt this. Some of you may have felt this this morning already. Some of us have felt it over the last week. Some of us going into this year. But we've all felt a moment like this. Where we look at the situation and if we're honest, we're like, man, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I I just spent that, or I just allowed that. I can't believe I just agreed to that. I can't believe I just put myself in this situation. And it's the moment we step back, we're like, what have I done? I took the step, and now this is not what I imagined. This is not what I pictured. What have I done? You see, it's easy to be all about what God has called us to do, you know, when, when the things are great, and it's like, look at what we're moving, and God's like, hey, I want you, I want you to start this business, and I, oh, I started this business, and things are, and then the economy turns on you, or the employee, you know, steals your money, and suddenly it's like, whoa, what's happening? This is shifting on me. This is not what I imagined, and what God had started, and what we thought, like, yeah, God's calling me, and then suddenly it's like, our eyes are off of Him, and we're now looking at what's happening around us, and it's the sinking field. It's going down. You see, and here's one of the keys of this story as you kind of sit with it and you begin to think about it. When Jesus invited Peter out of the boat, the guarantee wasn't that it was going to be smooth sailing. Jesus didn't say, hey, come to me and you're going to to be great. Jesus said, come. Think about this for a second. One, Jesus sent them out into the sea. So Jesus knew the storm was going to come, right? He's all-knowing. Okay, so he sends them out into the sea. He knows the storm. And then he asked Peter, like, oh, you want to come out of the boat? You want me to prove it? Let me invite you out of the boat. Knowing I'm not calming the waves. Like, you're going to be walking into the waves. 
And so the guarantee of the invitation Christ gave Peter wasn't that it was going to be smooth sailing. Wasn't like, hey, everything's going to be great, Peter, if you just jump out of the boat. The, the invitation and the guarantee was this. I'm going to be out there with you. You see, Jesus was in the water. He was in the waves. He was in the storm. And I don't know, my mind, it's kind of funny if you think about it. Is he like riding the waves or something? Or are the waves going through him? I don't know. But Jesus is like, hey, come on out here. I'm out here. Come and join me. The guarantee is God's presence with you. Now, put that in your context. What's your fear? What is the fear that is keeping you back from God's invitation in your life, whatever it may be? You know, for some, maybe it's the fear of, of being shamed or the fear of being ignored or, or labeled as weak or insignificant or, or the fear of being rejected. That was a fear that controlled me for years and years and years and years of my life. Man, if I fail at this, I'm going to disappoint you. And if I disappoint you, then you're going to reject me. And it was like this subconscious thing going on and on. Maybe for you it's the fear of being misunderstood or attacked or being the scapegoat for something or, or being manipulated or, or your experience being invalidated. Maybe your fear is failure. Maybe your fear is success. And it's the fear that holds you back from stepping into what God wants. And the promise isn't, hey, it's going to be smooth sailing if you just... God's promise, Christ's invitation to Peter was, hey... I'm out here. Come join me. But Peter yells, and it's funny how, you know, when we have this feeling of desperation, everybody becomes religious. You know, when you have no other options left and you think it's all crashing down, everybody suddenly finds Jesus and, you know, prays. And Peter here, he's just like, Lord, save me! Which, by the way, one of the shortest prayers ever and probably one of the best, the most effective. You know, long prayers are so spiritual and something. Peter's like, I don't have time for all that. Lord, save me. And I love that prayer. Lord, save me. Because there's something about when we find ourselves like we're in over our head. We feel like we're sinking. We feel like I don't know how to navigate this anymore now. To where it's just this direct cry out to God like, God, I can't do this. I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I need you to get me out of this. Because what Peter what we all need to realize here, what Peter's beginning to realize is like, hey, this, my fear now has, it, it's full force. Like, I thought I was courageous enough to do this. But it's here now. And here's what's the key to the Bible, because I think some of us beat ourselves up about this sometimes. When we feel fear, we feel like, man, I shouldn't be feeling this. I, sh I shouldn't be wrestling with this. I should be the fearless person. And I don't think in the Bible the message is you should never feel fear. Because again, sometimes it's a healthy thing. So I don't think the Bible is necessarily saying you should never feel fear. I think what the Bible is trying to get across to us and what Peter is learning here is we should fear less. And be courageous more. Isaiah 41.10 says this. It says, Fear not, for I, God speaking, am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God is saying, hey, listen, when that fear comes, remind yourselves of these things. I am with you. I will be your strength. I will guide you, direct you. I'm there with you. And sometimes the greatest encouragement we can get are from these people in the Bible we look at, you know, these great people of faith. They're like, but look at what they did. And then you realize they wrestled with the same things we wrestle with. 
David, King David, for those of you familiar with him, you know, the Old Testament and the greatest kings and all this stuff, a warrior and also a guy who just filled in, in huge ways. He felt fear. He spoke about it in Psalm 56 where he says, when I am afraid, there's an admission for you, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. So listen, let me encourage you, someone here today, who you beat yourself up when you feel fear. You beat yourself up and it's like, I shouldn't be going to this. Hey, fear is a normal part of life. And some of the greatest people of the Bible dealt with it. We all deal with it. But here's the choice we make now. And here, here's the third point we get to. If fear is a constant companion, and yet faith is a continuous choice, and, and Josh alluded to this earlier, we have to allow fear to become the catalyst for our faith. We allow fear to be the catalyst for our faith. Because look how Jesus responds in this in verse 31. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat and the wind ceased, and, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the part of the story I love. Because right as Peter starts sinking, literally sinking into the water, realizing what he's doing, he's like, oh, Jesus, save me. And what does Jesus do? Just, dude, grip, grab my hand. I'm right here. Grab my hand. And this is the key of this. Jesus had lost sight that or Peter had lost sight that Jesus had invited to him to join him in the water, to join him in the storm, to join him outside of the boat. And when Peter was afraid the most, he was within arm's reach of Christ. And Jesus says, I'm right here. See, and here's the key that we have to remember. And I promise you this. I'm not going to guarantee you anything based on me, okay? But I will guarantee you this about Jesus. Jesus is never going to invite you out of the boat just to see you fail. He's just not going to do it. Jesus is not going to set you up to fail so that he can sit up there and go, <laughs> did you see that one? Yeah, that was a good one. That was rich. Wait till you see what I do with him next week. You know, that's just not his character. That's not what he's going to do. And human nature, when we're going down, is to just grasp for what's ever closest. To grasp for, okay, well, I know that. That may not be, and that's where we can get ourselves in trouble too. Like, I know that's not the best, but it's better than this. And yet Jesus is right there going, Peter, just grab my hand. Grab my hand, Peter. I'm right here. And then he says to him, Peter, why did you doubt? Did you think I sent you out here just so you guys would sink and drown? Why do you doubt? Now, I don't read this as condemning or condescending in any way. I just, it's, it's a loving father going, I'm right here. It's the dad in the pool going, I'm right here. John, what do you think you're going to do? And so Jesus challenges him. He said, hey, why did you doubt me? You know it's not my character. You know it's not what I'm about. But fear begins with doubt. Fear begins with doubt. You know, my, my kids, when they were young, they'd look at me in the water, they'd be like, okay, I know dad. I trust dad. That's my dad. The water? I don't know the water. I'm not too sure of the water. I don't trust the water. And that's where fear begins. Fear begins with doubt. Maybe for us it's a doubt that God knew what he was doing when he invited us out. Maybe it's a fear that God knows my situation completely. Like, I'm not sure he's fully aware of all the details. Maybe it's a doubt that God's really in control or that God actually even 
cares about you. And when that doubt begins to take root inside of us, Peter looking at the water, doubting like, wait, can I really walk on this? That we lose our trust and faith in the one who invited us out. You see, it's trust that leads to faith, which leads to fearlessness. When we keep our trust in the one who invited us out, it builds our faith, which leads to a fearlessness. Okay, Christ is the one who invited me out. I'm following him. And Peter climbs back in the boat, and Jesus joins them. And, you know, I wish you would give a description of the other disciples watching this whole thing, because they're like, Peter, like, oh my gosh, he's, we've lost him. We lost Peter. He's going down. You guys watch. And then they see Jesus, and then they climb in the boat, and the winds calm, the waves go down. I wish we could see the other 11. What are they doing? Like, I was about to climb out of the boat. Uh, I was about to do it, too. You know, Jesus calmed the waves before I had the chance. You know, he'd love to see what their reaction was and all. But, but notice this. Jesus did not climb back in the boat with them until Peter had stepped out. Jesus didn't get in the boat with them until Peter had made that decision of faith going, okay, you gave me the invitation, I'll step out with you. Peter had to make, we have, in fact, the the other account of the story in the book of Mark, there's a little phrase that, that Matthew doesn't give us. It said when Jesus was walking out on the water, he actually intended to pass them by. He had said, guys, get in the boat, I'll meet you on the other side. He didn't say, I'll be walking on the water to meet you there. But Mark says part of his story is like, Jesus was actually just going to walk on by. Like, what's up, dudes? You know, as they're rowing, like, ah, push us. But because of Peter's faith to step out of the boat, Jesus now joins him in the boat. Calms the sea. They end up having this worship service. Maybe they started singing oceans in the boat. I don't know. You know, it's like when it was first written or something like that. But Jesus joins him in the boat. Now, question for you. What do you think was the greater catalyst for Peter's faith? Do you think it was the stepping out of the boat? Or do you think it was Jesus calming the storm? I think both. I mean, when you stop and you think about it, I think both. I think Peter stepping out of the boat, walking in the water like, oh my gosh, like this is impossible, I can walk. And then Jesus doing his thing and pulling him back out, you know, and how far he sank, we don't know, pulling back out and they climb the boat, like still, and everything calm. Both became catalysts for his faith. Neither would have happened had Peter not had the courage and the faith to step out of the boat in the first place. And you know what? Maybe the biggest act of faith wasn't even walking on the water. Maybe the biggest act of faith Peter had in all this was just even climbing out of the boat to get started. And and let me encourage some of you with this too, because sometimes the story can get looked at, and people can look at it and go, oh, Peter, see, he failed because he got his eyes off Jesus, and if he would have kept him, he could have walked all the way to this side. Maybe it wasn't even about Peter walking on the water. Maybe it was just about Peter take the step to follow the invitation. And let me encourage some of you with this, because sometimes you can begin following where you believe God has invited you and didn't quite go the way you think, and things are changing, and, well, wait, this is not what it was supposed to be, and it was supposed to be this, and now it's this, and all this, and we failed. Maybe it's not even about failure for Peter. Maybe Jesus isn't looking at him going, well, it could have been this. Maybe you're just like, Jesus is looking at him going, Peter, dude, way to go. I gave you the invitation, you took it. Way to go. 
So don't let condemnation or, or guilt or any of that come on you because, like, well, I tried this and it didn't work. Because that can become the doubt that can lead to fear to following Christ this, the next time. God's just sometimes looking at us going, hey, you did it, though. So it wasn't successful. So it didn't work out. So that business didn't take off the way you think or it shut down a few years after you thought you were going to be the next big. Hey, but you did it. Way to go. Next time, your faith will be even stronger when I invite you out. And then the third thing I noticed in all this too, which was really interesting, was the 11 other disciples now at this time, what do you think happened to their faith watching this whole thing? They watched Peter, they watched Jesus, they got all back in the boat, the walls were, you know what, they weren't even involved, so to say, you know, they didn't climb up, but what happened to their faith just watching this whole thing happen? The point being this, when we're obedient to follow the invitation of Christ, to work through those fears, to step into the fears, the impact is so much greater than just on us. It's on those around us. Maybe it's your family. Maybe it's your neighborhood. Maybe it's the employees who follow you or your co-workers who watch your life. And when we take this kind of step and overcome these fears and follow Christ, like, well, man, he's one. And other people are around going, oh, my gosh, wow. I want that. I want to follow that. And your faith was an inspiration to me. These guys got encouraged. Their faith was built by what they saw happening. So, what is God asking of you? Where is God inviting you to take that step out? You know, maybe it's something for this new year. Maybe it's just something you've been wrestling through for the last year. I don't know. Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's something professional. Maybe it's something relational. But where is God inviting you to step out of the boat and join it? Maybe for some of you, it's to finally start that business you've been thinking of forever. You get this idea that you've been, I don't know, what if I don't succeed? Hey, just, I'm giving you the, go for it, the courage. Maybe it's to finally commit to that relationship, even though for you, man, I've got nothing but bad examples that have been set for me throughout my life. And I'm just totally fearful to, to commit to fully to this person, to this relationship. Maybe this is the year God's just saying, trust me, step out of the boat. Maybe it's to step into using your talents, your gifts on a team within the church or another ministry or some other area. But it's like, okay, I'm going to do this. Maybe it's to finish your education or, you know, to leave the comforts of home and actually step out on your own. You know, what is it? Where is it that God's inviting you to step out of the boat and join them? Because here's what I, I really do believe. And I have to manage myself with this all the time because I'm a structure and routine kind of person and I love the known. But... If we're not feeling that invitation, if we're not feeling a little bit of that invitational fear of, oh man, I don't know, how's this going to turn out? Well, then maybe we're probably playing it a little too safe in there. Maybe we're just protecting ourselves just a little too much. When Jesus is out in the water going, you can experience so much more if you just took a step and to fear less mess. And so just like my kids at the, at the edge of the pool going, Daddy, 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 and I'd be like, I'm right here, jump, jump, jump. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to... They finally made that decision to jump into the water. Now, in all honesty and transparency, as soon as they jump, I'd move back a little bit, because that's how they learn how to swim, right? I'm not going to tell them that when they're on the side of the pool, but they're like, ah! And I'm like, you're almost there, you're almost there. Yeah. But they made that decision. They jumped. Yeah, they're sitting right here. So maybe I shouldn't admit that. I don't know. 
So here's my encouragement to you, and we'll end on this. Here's my encouragement to you. Whatever that area is of your life that you feel God inviting you out, jump. Step out of the boat. How it's going to turn out, I don't know. That's not up to me. It's not necessarily always up to you either. Sometimes it's God and he'll reveal. But where is it? Jump. Take the step out of the boat. He's not going to let you drown. If it's God, he is not going to let you drown. You may feel like it, but that is not our God. And it will build your faith. So let's make the decision in 2020 that we're going to move into fearlessness and courage in God. Let's pray. Lord, um, taking the cue from Peter, shorter prayers are better. Our prayer is that our courage would be built as we step out of fear and into faith. Whatever that looks like for every person in this room, Lord, I pray that for this church as they step forward, that we would step out of fear and into faith, following you, accepting your invitation, and then, Lord, build our faith, accomplish great things, do the impossible, Amaze us by, by how you turn situations simply because we were obedient to accept your invitation, to trust in you, and not let fear rule us. And so, Lord, I pray great things for the people in this room. I pray great things for this church in 2020 as we move into fearlessness in your name. Thanks again for joining us today. The question now is, what are you going to do with what you just discovered? Take a step to connect with us in person? Or perhaps choose to support the ministry of Center Church with your financial generosity. Take your next right step and visit us online at centerchurchsd.com. See you next time.